This is Popscast, Lakeview Christian Center's podcast for dads. I'm Nick Missios, coordinator of Lakeview's Pops Ministry. Every month, I'll be sitting down with other dads discussing how we can better practically love and lead our families and talking through the highs and lows of what it means to be a dad. On this episode of the Popscast, I sit down with our pastor, Ronald Laitano. We discuss his topic from this past Pops meeting of parenting as an act of stewardship. We really get into the nitty-gritty of what that looks like on a daily basis. It's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Well, uh, good evening or afternoon or morning or whenever you listen to this. I'm Nick Missios. I am your host here of the Popscast, and I'm here uh, with my first repeat, not not guest per se, because when Ronald was here, he wasn't the guest. He was the host, and I was the guest. But I'm here with my first repeat appearance, which is with Ronald Laitano, who uh, talked to us in the month of June about uh, about stewarding our kids, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but Ronald, I have to give you – you introduced your family last time we talked, but for those who maybe haven't listened to that, give you a chance to introduce your family. Who, who Why do you get to call yourself dad? Who's your people? Am, am I to understand that because I was not the guest last time? I was unwelcome last No, time? You just, you're just not a repeat guest. Okay, gotcha. You're gotcha. a guest host, that's all. I guess I was gotcha, so I was welcome. Uh, let's see, I'm married to my lovely wife, Andrea. We've been married for uh, – it's a good thing she doesn't listen to this podcast or won't listen to this podcast because I forgot how long we've been married. 13 years in a couple weeks, so July okay. 27 is our anniversary. I'll cool. be 13. We got four kids. Uh, Adelaide's my oldest, 10. Eliza's seven. Lucas, my boy, is five. And Olivia is one. And that's my clan. Cool. Um, so I always ask the guys who get on here to tell me the daddest thing about them. Can you tell me the daddest thing about you? The daddest thing about me. Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a, uh, a whole bunch of them. But, but the one thing that does jump at me is I have this thing um, I can see myself having morphed into my father where I, I go around the house. I spent maybe 75% of my free time at the house turning off lights in every room. I'll go into my kids' closets, into the bathrooms. Just every light I see on just gets turned off. Uh, are you ready for me to change your life? <laughs> yes. Okay. LED bulbs, man. Replace all of your light bulbs with LEDs. They run, they cost like pennies to run. And now I'm like the anti-dad. This is the one area, this is like the, my least stereotypical dad things. I'll walk in and the house is dark. I'm like, guys, like kids are doing homework in the dark. They're playing piano in the dark. <laughs> People are cooking in the kitchen. I was just cooking in the kitchen and it's dark. And I'm like, guys, look what I got. Ta-da. Yeah. Now here's a surprising thing. Most of my light bulbs are actually LED. Oh, it's just which is why this is the most dad thing. It's just a principle, man. It's just the thing. I, someone has to just pursue the light switch in the house, and that's that's the dad flag. I will gladly carry that banner to till my death. I remember seeing a guy on the uh, on Jared Lopes' dad tired Facebook group talking about like at what point in time and how you discipline a kid for not turning the light off. People are like, man, don't you think you're overreacting? He's like, well, you know, next thing you know, they're like living at your house when they're 30 and can't hold out a job. I'm like, dude, I feel like you, you, you made a lot of big jumps there that maybe you're not, I mean, I don't know your kid, you know, your kid, but maybe we can just, you know, uh, eventually they'll just turn off with motion sensors or something. And that's kind of, we do a few of those strategically placed as well. So, um, that's pretty dadly. That that is like that is the most stereotypical dad thing of anybody who's told me they're stereotypical dad things. If that makes sense, 
Um, so kudos. Anything about you that's specifically undadly? Undadly. Uh, anything about that bucks the American dad trend? Oh gosh, yes. Um, and so I, th- I think a number of things. Uh, I uh, I do the laundry in my house. All right. Uh, and so I, I would say house chore oriented, and I actually like doing the laundry, and I like cleaning, uh, sweeping, and mopping the floors of the house. Gotcha. And that would be against the the your classic red blooded, you know, um, Western uh, idealization of what a man or dad is. Um, I, I, I yeah, I actually like doing those. So things. what you're saying is that you are not a very typical stereotypical dad, and that you are a good dad, <laughs> <laughs> and that your wife likes you. This is true. Uh, good stuff. Um, well, again, thank you for for taking the time to uh, sit down with me today. And, and, and I texted Ronald today. We, we tried to make this happen last week and we couldn't. And I asked him for an impromptu uh, uh, podcast recording slash counseling session. So you're going to hear a little bit of, of transparency from me. And I'm kind of smiling, but I'm also at my wits end on some things. And we're going to brainstorm uh, through Ronald's topic and how to apply it to a, just a, a regular situation like mine, which, you know, I've got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And you can't get into too big a problem at those ages, but um, those stereotypical problems are still the kind of problems that can keep you up and can leave you grasping for for whatever you can. So um, I want to go back to the concept that you you talked about of of stewardship, approaching parenting as stewardship. For guys who weren't there, haven't listened to it, can you explain what you mean by approaching dadhood and fatherhood as stewardship? Yeah. Um... So the, the, the idea of stewardship is it is trying to release uh, really myself. This is something that I've been wrestling with um, since I've been a dad, since Adelaide was born 10 years ago, uh, trying to understand what my role in her life is, uh, what my calling is, uh, and, and looking both at, um, you know, what, 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 where I came from, my father, uh, looking at other dads, looking at other children, just, just trying to create a walking metaphor that helped me um, just gain clarity in terms of what does my day-to-day, um, a moment-to-moment influence on my kids' lives look like? And uh, the idea of stewardship came to mind. And it came to mind because I realized um, I'm 30, I'm, I'm going to be 38 in, in a few weeks. And, and I realized I'm, I'm getting to the point where um, I'm going to be married to my wife. Um, let's see if I can say this correctly. I'm going to be married. Uh, if, if you, if you, if you take two buckets and you fill the, the, the one bucket with, uh, the years, the total amount of years I was under my parents' authority. I was the son in the father son relationship. And then you take another bucket and you put my marriage years, how long I've been married outside of the home. That outside of the home bucket is about to equal the inside mm. of the home uh, yeah. bucket, and that th- that awareness made me realize my kids aren't going to be mine forever, right? I have them for a limited amount of time, um, and and how how do I see that time? Most of their life will be spent outside of my home, and so those those types of thoughts have been developing for a long time, and, and the idea of stewardship. Um, came to mind from from uh, a bunch of weird places. Probably the weirdest place it came from is from the the, um, the, the incredible novels um, Lord of the Rings, where uh, the steward of Gondor, this this uh, pseudo king figure who is really just stewarding 
uh, the kingdom of Gondor, waiting for the king to return. He's not really the king, but his responsibility is just to keep things going because he's been entrusted with that responsibility. He's been given something precious to care for because it's not his. And I started looking at my kids that way. My kids are not mine. Um, uh, they are the Lord's, but they are actually themselves. They are themselves. <laughs> Is that right? They are theirs. Uh, they yeah. have their own identity, their own desires, their own wills. They're going to pursue their life. And the older they get, the smaller I will be a part of their life. And so more and more signs pointed to the reality of I've got them for a short time. Their future is really not up to me. And I, I, I'm going to diminish in terms of influence in their life as time goes on. And so what's a good word that encaptures that? And so I thought stewardship. So so by stewardship, I mean, how can I influence my kids, okay? protect, care, lead them, acknowledging that at this point in life, I, I am their biggest influence. I am the authority figure in, in their life, but they're not going to be with me forever. I want them to be with me forever. Uh, if my kids, if my girls never decide to marry and they, they're with their daddy till they're 65, fantastic. But more often than, but more likely than not, that's not going to happen. So just uh, parenting kids, recognizing I'm, I am caring for a treasure that is not mine. Yeah. When you, when you mentioned, you know, I think the first literary character I think of when you talk about given charge over and caring for a land that's not yours, I think of the governor in, uh, in the voyage of the dawn treader that has just let everything go bad and there's, <laughs> right. it's like i don't want to be that guy right. and, and I, maybe i am sometimes but uh just sloppy and and not taking care of things correctly and there's slave trading going on which my kids have not gotten into slave trading but uh, uh hopefully they won't be but yeah it's there's there's a chance when you've got something to answer for someone to answer to right you know it's not like I mean, I'm really everything we have is from God, but you know, like if I don't take care of my car, it's not great stewardship of, of the gifts God has given, but at the end of the day, it's like my car. And if it's, I don't take good care of it, I suffer for it. Right. right. It's, I'm the one that, that pays the consequences for it. Uh, if I don't steward my kids well, like they, like you said, you're, you're going to be a grown up way longer than you were a kid. You're going to be uh, your own responsibility way longer than you were your parents' responsibility. Yeah. And yeah, my, my failures and successes in the role that I play of stewarding my kids' hearts and stewarding, stewarding them towards growth and godliness and, um, and character and excellence, uh, they're going to feel those consequences way longer than I will. Yeah. Um, so that's a good theory, right? So that's, that's, that's kind of the lens, right? How do you find that that lens on a daily basis or weekly basis affects what you do as a dad, how you do it as a dad, um, how you talk, how you don't talk? Just where do you see that lens affecting the actual behaviors? Um, great, great question. Uh, on the looking at that question from from how I interact with them. Um, from from the lens of what's happening in my heart, um, I would say that um, I, I I appreciate my time with them more. Mm -hmm. um, so just yesterday, 
Um, I get home from work at about at about 6:30, uh, and um, my two oldest girls are uh, riding their bikes out with the neighborhood kids. My son is playing Mario Kart on on the on the Switch, and um, my one-year-old Olivia, uh, she she's just the sweetest thing. Um, uh, my wife had had dinner for me in the microwave. I, I take it out of the microwave and I start eating, and her and I start talking, and then. You hear the little pitter patter of feet, and here comes Olivia, and um, she she does this this uh, irresistible thing where she lifts up both her arms and starts closing her hands quickly, and that that's her sign of daddy pick me up, right? Yeah. Um, it's irresistible. You just you oh, just yeah. can't resist that. Um, I pick her up and I and I put her on my lap, and and then I re- I recognize something. I'm like I've done this with all three of my other kids, but I don't do this with them anymore, right? Um, Adelaide doesn't let me do that. Um, first of all, she's too big. Um, Eliza doesn't let me do that. Lucas doesn't let me do that, but they all did this. Um, and so on on the personal dimension, I recognize, I I try and extract every bit. Now I'm not saying I do this perfectly. And I, I, I'm just, I intentionally try to, to savor every moment like those where she's sitting on my lap. And she's just sitting there and she's patting on the table and I'm eating and she's cooing and kind and making, making, you know, one-year-old noises. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. So, so it, it helps me focus my, uh, it helps me live in, in, in the dad moment. Yeah. I, I am more aware of, of how many less moments like those I have. They're numbered. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to have Olivia on my lap for another two years. Um, and so, I'm going to enjoy those moments that, that there are. So from, from my heart's dimension, it helps me focus. But from, from their heart's dimension, it helps me, it helps me um, project things out. Um, it helps reduce the sting uh, of awkward moments. So, for example, um, I had a moment with, with, with one, one of my girls yesterday where uh, they, they came back. Uh, so it's probably 8 o'clock when they decide to come in. And uh, it's still, I mean, it's summer, and so it, it did really, uh, the sunset didn't really come down to like 8, 20, 30, so there was still plenty of, of sunlight outside. Uh, we've told them, you know, 8 o'clock is kind of that, that number. They come in, and uh, they start watching TV. We, we, we get them fed. But 8 o'clock is, is really late for us to start our, our, our bedtime routine. Oh, yeah. It's really late. Uh, they need to take a shower. They need to do all the stuff. And plus they're eating, so they're not eating because they're, they're, they're watching TV. I go about doing. I don't, I don't know if I've warned you about this, but when I when I told you about you know when we talked about reading at, at bedtime, yeah. it will turn you into an evening Nazi. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and and we enjoy that. Um, but uh, right at about eight thirty, I look at one of my daughters and I say, "Hey, have you brushed your teeth?" And um, and she says, "Yeah," and I can tell she's lying. So I, I I give her that. Hey, I'm giving you a shot. Have you brushed your teeth? And she goes, "Yeah." And she's she's answering like our kids answer. You know how kids want 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 plausible deniability. Yeah. So they'll answer a question while, while they're paying attention to something else. So so they can so, so they can either say, oh, I didn't hear you well, or she's yeah. playing that game with me, and I, I'm just right on her. And so third time, I, I'm like I'm like little girl, uh, look at me, and we make eye contact. So so now she's with me, and I'm like, have you brushed your teeth, right? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so. 20 minutes later, um, I walk into my bedroom and for some reason our kids still brush their teeth in my, in our, our bathroom. And guess who I see brushing their teeth, right? 
the little girl who three times told me that she's brushed her teeth. So um, she lied to me repeatedly. And um, so so here's here's how that stewardship thing influenced me in that moment. I think the Lord was kind and gracious to to fill me with a patience to love on her. Um, I think in the past I may have resorted to to use that moment only to correct a behavior, right? right. And so we can all agree that lying is bad, yep. right? We can all agree. Um, but I stewarded her and I sat her down. And, and this this must be from somewhere. I've never had an original thought, certainly ne- never had a profound or deep one. But I sat her down and I asked her, why did you lie to me? And, um, you know, she she starts kind of going, uh, uh, uh. And she said, because I didn't want to go brush my teeth. And so I said, I said, little girl, um, you need to learn something about lying. I said, for every one thing that a lie gets you, it takes two things from you. And uh, as I said that, I'm like, where did I pick that <laughs> up from, right? That's cool. <laughs> this is amazing, right? Um, but I'm convinced, I'm convinced that in the intentionality to pursue her, to use this moment as a moment where, where the the priority list includes discipline, but di- discipline is maybe step fifteen of this process, right? Right. And that's not even the most emphatic thing what we're doing. That opened up my heart. It opened up my mind. I was able to access wherever it is that came from. I wasn't dealing with her emotionally, and and stewardship protects me from that i think i think when when we when we go about thinking of of our jobs as stewarding it protects our kids from our emotionalism right right i'm it's late i'm tired you know the the book reading is going to take me 30 45 minutes and it's like 8 30 already 8 45 already right so so um so yeah it'll it'll on the one hand make me appreciate things better and on the other hand when moments like that show up I'm, i'm almost um uh, it, it's like a heightened sense of awareness. Um, this thing comes over me. This, 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 um, like like a game face to mm-hmm. recognize. Okay, this is a moment that she needs to be parented. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's fuller than she needs to be corrected. I think she needs to be corrected. Yeah, yeah. But but shifting at it from a moment has showed up in my interaction with my daughter where she needs a father. Yeah. She needs a parent. She, she needs someone to lead her because it is in fact true. Kids recognize the power of deceit. If I tell my parents, no, I can do what I want. What they don't recognize is just how potentially destructive this is. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, it does something in my heart and it does something in those. And I'm sure if I think about it, dude, I'm sure I could point to a whole number of other other realities, but it protects my heart. It, it, it engages my heart towards them and it helps me um, it helps me not destroy evenings. <laughs> I'll put it to you that way because after that we were able to sit and read for an hour and um, and it was cool. Yeah, I think it's a similar idea to, to even in you know in marriage. I think there's a, there's a similar element of like call it the choose your battles thing. You yeah. like what's the, you know you run the cost benefit analysis. It's like I could make a big deal about this thing right now, um, but 
to what benefit? Right. To whose benefit, first right. of all? You know, to is it to my benefit or is it to my wife's benefit or is it to nobody's benefit? Um, and then what's the cost of that? Uh, you know, I but when hearing you talk about the story, like I think what jumps out to me is the silver lining here is that there was conviction that happened without you having to do anything. Is that this kid was like, Oh dang, I lied. I feel guilty and I don't have a time machine, but I need to go make that lie true. You know, right, right. <laughs> she did the best thing she could. And she was like, all right, now yeah. ask me again, dad. Ask yeah, me again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and she, she, I mean, and, and look, I, I'm not, I didn't premeditate this, right? I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't, I, I didn't sit down with a, with, with a piece of paper and formulate what the 15 uh, positive results and effects of this moment were going to be. But in hindsight, I can list 15 positive effects of, of this type of conversation. Um, my daughter experienced what it's like to be called out on in a graceful way. Yeah. She, she experienced what it's like for someone to show care when they mean to correct. Right. Um, she, she got an example of, of, so discipline is not always hurtful. Discipline doesn't always hurt. Right. So, and, and, and again, my, my, my definition of stewardship, it, it involves, you know, it, it taking care of a treasure that's not mine. And you treat treasures a certain way. Right. right? If, if, if you if you're given something you don't value and you don't treasure, um, you're not going to be you're not going to be a good you're not going to do a good job of, of, of storing it, storing it well. But in her, she's like, OK, that's the authority figure. Um, and I've done something wrong and I've got nowhere to hide. But look at how he's talking to me. Look at how he's dealing with me. Um, he's not belittling me. He's not being rude. He's he's teasing me out, and 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 she she she's getting a a a a a an experience of this is what love looks like. This is another facet of of love. So um, yeah, and that I mean years on the line, if she's a mom, you know you're you're investing in grandkids at that point in right. time because I think when it comes to parenting, you know I think this is true of everybody. There's there's kind of three categories of our behaviors in relationship to our parents' behaviors. One is my dad did that. Right. I'm never going to do that. Uh, there's my dad did that and it was awesome. And then there's all the subconscious stuff that we just absorb and that, you know, we don't ever think about, you know, the <laughs> word, whether it's just colloquialisms and words that we use right. or, you know, um, annoying dad jokes or whatever they are. Um, and, and you want to, you want to avoid that first column as much as you can with your kiddos. You want them to not grow up and feel like, man, I better chuck whatever dad did because that clearly did not work. And I'm recovering that from that for years. You want to do as much as you can to invest in that second column of, hey, I want my kids to look at what I did and, and purposely say, hey, that was helpful. I appreciated that. And then whatever the biggest chunk I think is that third column of stuff we just pick up. And that's where it's like, man, if I do this right – Hopefully I'm planting seeds that will grow in my, you know, my grandkids' lives. Um, and even if, you know, even if our kids don't get married, don't have kids, relationally, some of those same principles are there, you know, yeah. you know, correcting someone or confronting someone, uh, dealing with conflict graciously, you yeah. know, that's not just a dad kid thing, you yeah. know. Um, so real, 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 real practical. One of the things that I mentioned in, in, in my talk was, um, what does this look like, right? It looks like patterns, I think that I think that part of what I struggle with as a dad, I'm sure you struggle with as a dad. I'm sure anyone listening to this 
if you're listening to this, you're listening to this because you struggle with that, <laughs> right? Is is we 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 parent for an outcome, um, and and that's bad enough, but we make it worse that we want the outcome to be immediate, right? Right. And so when we see something, when we see our kids do something intrinsically wrong, they just make a transgression, they lie, they steal, they hurt someone. Our our tendency, or I'll speak for myself, my tendency is to step in and try and discipline so that my child will never do that again. Right. right? So that my goal is to eliminate that behavior once and for all. Like you're just off the cuff going to have the perfect dad speech ready just to change his right. life. Right. And, and oftentimes it's not a speech. Oftentimes it's, it's, it's a yell, it's a spank, it's, it's some sort of, 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 of gesture or action that, that wants to almost strike a fear of that from them. But to this day, that hasn't worked at all. I think we've watched too many sitcoms. You know, we've watched Full House too many times. And those moments where Danny sits on the bed next to DJ and explains life. <laughs> and it's just, well, right. that got buggled up in right. 22 minutes plus commercials. Right, right, Fantastic. Right. right, right. Um, but what, what, what we saw in that passage um, I, I, I talked about was the, the, the patterns, right? So, so stewardship involves giving into patterns, that, that, that there is power in how these patterns will work themselves out. So, so here's Jesus being taken by his dad uh, and his mom to Jerusalem every year. This process that was burdensome for them. Uh, they're traveling, you know, 70, 80 miles uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a, a large group of people. Uh, they had to buy sacrifices. They had to maybe close shop for, for a, a week or two week period. This was costly for them. Uh, and so I, I can imagine Joseph, um, you know, uh, putting away a, a little bit of money during the year, uh, refraining from purchasing, you know, a new, uh, I don't know, bed or, 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 or whatnot, um, uh, saving up because this was what they did as a family every single year. And then it's no surprise that when, when Jesus becomes a teenager, they find him in a temple. Now, why is that? Because he's the son of God. Well, of course. But I think that part of that is also that his father had created a pattern for him, mm-hmm. that a priority for our life is we give ourselves, we, we pursue the Lord, and we pursue the Lord where we find the Lord. And so where do we do that? In the synagogue, in the temple. Um, and and that, that pattern just kind of builds upon itself. So, so the things that we do, um, it, it's almost like we're aiming for a, a, a long-term plan long-term investment that we're not going to see um, the effects of, of our parenting uh, not till much later. I, I, I think that that's, yeah. that that's a helpful rubric as well. Yeah. It's where you hear like, uh, here's like coaches in sports talk about trust the process. Yeah. Um, you know, music teachers. I know we, we both been musicians um, and studied music, you know, trust the process. Like the first time you do this, it's going to be bad. It's not going to get what you want. The second thing you do, it's probably not going to be good either. But if you trust the process, if you just stick to that consistency, and consistency is big for kids because right. they, they like to know what to expect, Right. that over time, the process will bear fruit. Um, who was it who said anything worth doing is worth doing badly? <laughs> you know, I think that's part of it is we we need to, as dads, be willing, like, this this talk isn't going to fix it, you right. know? Um I, it, it's funny because you know you've 
how often do you get frustrated because your kid isn't learning something quickly? And you're like, how are you not learning this? We've had this talk a hundred times. How are you not learning this? And God's looking at you like, <laughs> how are you not learning that right. this isn't <laughs> that this yeah. isn't an immediate process, right? right. Yeah. At, at least he's six, <laughs> I, right? I would, you know? I would encourage every every dad listening to this, or mom, or whoever's listening to this, to to think about the 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 one or two or three things. You know, if if, if you've got multiple kids, think of your kids' names and, and and think of that one thing that's just a a, a perpetual source of frustration for you. Right. So your kid struggles with this. He back talks or or she, you know, is is whatever. Um, and put that kind of in one column and then do some soul searching and then ask yourself, what are the things I bring to the Lord in repentance frequently? Yeah. And you'll notice you'll you'll notice a parallel that you have the same struggles towards your earthly father as your children have towards you. That it's 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 this parallel, right? Right. Um, we we're they're just like us, and so and 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 that's not a good thing. <laughs> right. They're they're sinners. Uh, we're just more seasoned sinners. We, we've grown in our sanctification, where where again those patterns. So so you're 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 tr- yeah. Trust the process is good. Um, but what's better to that is trust the one behind the process. Yeah, that's right. And, and by the way, that's not you or me. That's that's ultimately God, right? right. So, so um, I, I understand that by virtue of them being a human being, your children will be rebellious. Yeah, they'll be perpetually rebellious. They'll they'll, they'll give themselves over to invent ever new patterns of sin. Uh, well, that's what you do too. Yeah. Um, and so it, viewing things like that, man, just just it, it humbles me. Um, the angrier I get when um, my kids don't listen to me, the Lord in his grace, uh, it, it's, it's like I hear him speaking to my ear. That's exactly what you do with me. And I'm like, ouch, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. So, yeah. so it, it, it just it steers us to parent um, with with a with a deeper sense of calm than with the urgency of of fixing the issue in the moment because we recognize that those issues haven't been fixed in us. Yeah. It's still a process. And, and that's just how, that's how the Lord has chosen to work in the human heart, not in moments, but in patterns. Yeah. And even, you know, just you mentioned the, the process of, of naming one thing that, you know, that your kid struggles with. Um, you know, when I think about how the Holy spirit convicts me, um, I don't really ever, um, not, I'll tell you this, the Holy Spirit does not do this. Sometimes I'll do this to myself. And that's a different story. But I don't feel like God's ever like, you need to fix these 12 things. I don't ever feel, oh, there's more than those 12 things that need to be fixed in my behaviors and in my attitudes and in my thoughts, and my words. Um, I feel like God consistently is like, hey, let's work on this. You know, I feel convicted about one thing. Or I think there's some wisdom in how we, we, guide our kids and how we steward them because if all our kids ever hear us correction about every single thing um you want to you want to a harden a heart and b become background noise that just gets tuned out correct all the time about everything but if there's one thing and if they even know hey i'm going to work with you on this um i feel like that can be helpful it's like oh 
you're paying attention to this. This is a project we're working on together. Um, you know, and I think, you know, the other thing you said that stuck out to me is just knowing that, like knowing that God is behind this process. It's yeah. much easier to steward for someone when you know that they're in ultimate control of what's going to happen with the process, right? right? It doesn't right. mean that right. we have no responsibility, right. um, but it means that we can, we can give it our all. We can pour ourselves into it to the dregs and know that God is in control of the outcome of what we've done, you know, and, and what we're going to do. And um, he's the one that speaks to our hearts and gives us wisdom in how to do this. Yeah. You know? I'm, I'm reading this book called Rejoice and Tremble by Michael Reeves. Highly recommend um, you guys listen to this to read it. And and he, he explores the theme of what it means to fear the Lord. Um, if, if, if you were to, if you were to do, do a Google search or, or if you have a Bible software or maybe the EFC Bible app and type in the word fear, um, you, you, you're going to be surprised by how often the phrase fear of the Lord shows up as a good thing. Yeah. Um, simultaneously as don't be afraid, but fear the Lord. And, and uh, I read this earlier, a quote by a Puritan William Gouge. He says, um, truly godly fear actually arises from faith in the mercy and goodness of God. For when the heart of man hath once felt a sweet taste of God's goodness and found that in his favor only all happiness consisteth, it is stricken with such an inward awe and reverence. And so what, 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 what he's getting at is we fear God not because he's scary. We fear God because he's beautiful. Um, we, f- fear of God is a leaning towards him rather than leaning away from him. And, and, and underneath that is a sense of relationship, right? And so key to this idea of stewardship is Stewardship is going to remind you that you have a relationship with your child. They're not a project. Um, they're, 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 they're not a goal. Um, they're not something to be fixed. Um, they're, they're a person to be loved. And, and how you walk with them um, is, is, and that you walk with them is, is gonna, is gonna lead you to, to, to do things, um, the, the, the older I'm getting with my daughters, um, I'm, I'm realizing, right, that their life revolved, maybe three, four, five years ago, their life revolved around um, instinctual kind of urges, food, stuff, mm-hmm. um, um, like uh, wanting to watch a show or not wanting to watch a show, wanting to eat ice cream, not wanting to eat ice cream. The older they're getting, the more complicated things are getting, right, because mm-hmm. they're, they're now wanting um, to, to relationally um, connect with other people, share ideas, experience life. And, and um, the, the other day, one of my daughters um, responded this way when I told them they couldn't do something. Um, it was the classic, well, my, my friend's parents let them do that, right? <laughs> um, now, what is she saying? Um, what is happening in that moment? In that moment, my daughter is weighing um, our systems of of morality, right? Right. But dad, you think this is bad, but my friend over there thinks their parents think it's good. I think they're wrong and I think you're right, right? So 
how, how do you step into those moments, right? Well, you shut down like the 10 automatic, like snappy, snarky dad responses, right? <laughs> right, right. You right. can go live with your friends. That's exactly right. And and listen, I've been guilty of, of, of many of them. And, and sometimes those are helpful. But I, I, I recognize what I recognize what's happening in that moment. I'm recognizing that little girl has no concept of of virtue, of goodness, that she still doesn't have the heart capacity to recognize that she ought to love righteousness. That's not in her yet. And so stewardship helps me, okay, you, you know what's more important this moment? Um, not that, not that. I kind of one up her and I kind of, you know, clap back at her. What's more important that she recognizes that in spite of her not being allowed to do that thing, her friends can do in spite of that, her dad still loves her. And there's a relationship there and and I'm going to hold my ground, but I'm going to do it in such a way where I'm not necessarily leaning only on the impulse of authority. I'm leaning on the impulse of love and care. And I'm banking on, again, the patterns, right? Adelaide, Adelaide, because I said her name, you've seen that I'm a good dad. I'm not boasting, but I'm saying you, you've you seen me love you. You've yeah. seen me give you. You've seen me walk with you in moments where you've been afraid, in moments where you've been scared, in moments where life has been hard. And I will always be that person. And, and typically, you know, I would say seven times out of ten, um, that 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 type of engagement won't won't be well. I, I say that, but but th- three times out of ten, there'll be a verbal. I know, Dad. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, but but I trust that in that seventy percent, that seven times out of ten, I trust that a version of that is still happening, right? right. Um, so uh, so so yeah, stewardship is is a is a is a call to a relationship uh, to walk with them. You you are their companion of life. For a good period of their life, yeah, and um, take advantage of that. Yeah, and your your commands carry more weight as they see that the ones you've given in the past bear fruit for their good. Right. You know, it's like the, you want them, and we, you know, you've you've counseled enough people to know. Uh, and when I've counseled folks, it's I want to give you two reasons every time because God says so with kids. It's because God said so, and because I say so, and then because it's good for you, you know, uh, my kids would be able to tell you, you know, um, what, why do I, why does dad give you the rules he gives you to keep you safe, happy, and healthy? Like those are the rules. That's why you have to brush your teeth. That is why you can't go play in traffic. That's also why you need to be kind to your brother. It's, it's in the long run for those things. Um, there are godly reasons that, that it honors God, but especially with kids who have a hard time and I have one kid specifically who just can't see outside of kind of this myopic bubble of, of, or what is the solipsistic bubble of like, <laughs> I'm the only one that exists. I'm yeah. essentially operating in a, in a, in a, um, what is it? What's I'm looking for? Simulation, right? A video game. And I, I interacted with all of you, but you know, this is my, my bubble that I live in. Um, I can give you all the reason. I want you to pop that bubble. I'm going to help you to get there and pop that bubble. But I also want you to see that even in the meantime, like even if you want to be as selfish as possible, follow the rules because I'm giving you things that are, you know, 
It's like in the same way that God, when he was giving commands to the Israelites, wasn't like, you know, it's going to make them real mad and just make them suffer. <laughs> you know, maybe the eating pork thing, but I don't know. <laughs> um, I do like my bacon. But um, aside from the bacon part, uh, you know, you know, seriously, like, you know, God wasn't looking for ways to spoil days and, and, and rain on parades. Like his, his law was good for them. It was, it was, you know, I remember hearing our pastor Keith talk about this. It's not that there was the God of law and then the God of grace. It's no, that God's law was grace, yeah. you know, that there's wisdom in the law that he gives. Yeah. That's, that's good, man. Um, Nick, sometimes we, we, we hamstring our di- discipline efforts because we, we appeal to the wrongness of the action what, and we leave out the rightness of, uh, of the action. So um, we, we, we have to recognize that sometimes our kids, that this is going to sound so weird, but our kids don't know how to be humans. Yeah. Like, like they don't, they, they're learning that, <laughs> right? They, they don't know how to make wise decisions that they don't know how to make thought through, uh, uh, um, you know, you know, premeditated things that lead, to, they don't know how to do all this, right? This is yeah. your job, dad. That's, yeah. that's why they have you. And so give the kid a break if every now and then they do something that is stupid, because that's pretty much all they're equipped to do on their own. Right. Um, and, and so, and so, um, I think that part of I, I I think of my my growing up, you know, and and I had a I had a good relationship with my dad, but but my the relationship with with my dad consisted of the extremes. Um, dad only showed up in life when discipline needed to be very severe, right? So mom right. was the disciplinarian, but when things got dialed to to ten or eleven, you know, when a nuke needed to be dropped, we're telling dad, and a nuke was dropped. He only showed up there, but then he also only showed up in lavish gifts, right? So it was either I was getting, you know, shredded by my dad or I was given something, a, a toy or, or something. Guess what's behind my back was <laughs> the, the common theme here. Right, right. <laughs> a bat. Are you going to hit me with it or am I going to give it to you, right? <laughs> a new belt. Dad. Oh, wait, you look angry. <laughs> right. So, so I, I – I, but, but in, in spite of that, I – I think I had a good relationship with my dad because I saw the lavishness of him. Um, I, I really wish, obviously, there 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 would have been more in in the middle. But I'm using this example. Um, if all I ever saw of my dad was like the super disciplinarian, I, I, I'm not sure that that I I I I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I, I think I think that the balancing of the lavishness helped the disciplinary like I cut him a break yeah um when 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 he would come 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 down on me so 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 dads understand your kids have weaknesses inherent to them uh their decision making is shoddy uh their values are non-existent they're going to pursue the things they're not supposed to oh and by the way they have something that none of us had growing up they have social media they have the influence of, of if you think Disney was out to get their minds 20, 30 years ago, they're still in that same business and they have far more tools. Right. Yeah. And so so you are woefully uh, outgunned when it comes to winning over their imagination. Yeah. Um, but you have something that none of those companies have. Facebook doesn't have this. Instagram doesn't have this. Uh, Disney doesn't have this. Um, you have. 
a relationship with them. You have access to them on the relational level. And so don't 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 let go of that. Right. Um, let, let let that be a significant aspect of how you pursue them, of how you come to know them. Um, if there's algorithms out there that can tell you uh, everything there is about a person, that is a mathematical equation of something God's written in all of us that I think we can come to understand. In other words, if a stranger can come to know you by what, by how often you click your mouse on certain websites, you as a father should know the people in your home that you live with is, is yeah. what, what I'm trying to say. And, and, and that knowledge aided by the relationship that you're building, fortified by the patterns that you're pursuing, is, is, is it's just going to lead to to certain dynamics that at the end of the day will lead to a flourishing where your kids actually like you and they seek you out. And, and it's just going to be re- rewarding for both them and for you. So let me pivot on, off of that because I think – kind of something you mentioned earlier about the bedtime routine and into here. One thing that this all takes is time, right? There's, right. there's a time investment involved in this. Um, how do you do it? Cause I, I feel like my wife and I were sitting down just yesterday. It's like, what needs to go? What, what is eating up our time? Cause I feel like we're like com- screaming into bed, you know, and trying to go 60 to zero in 15 minutes. Um, and you know, it's one of the things where we have to look at our lives and say, what's, what's in here that needs to not be in here on a, on mom and dad's levels. Like, what do I have in my life that needs to go? Um, are there, are there activities I'm doing that need to go? Are there, um, the habits that need to go social media, you know? Um, but then also for our kids' lives, you know, that balance between, hey, I want my kids to play a team sport, you know, um, take piano lessons, uh, whatever the thing is, versus be at home with me and and build a family community. How do you find balance there? How do you how do you guys choose to invest your time? Where have you seen that? You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't. I can't. You know, sit with you, tell you I'm an expert at it or that I've always been successful at it. I think trial and error has taught us a number of things. Um, uh, um, so to Charles Spurgeon, um, English preacher of the uh, 20, uh, 20th century uh, or eight or 19th century. Uh, I can't remember his dates, uh, but he 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 uh, divided his life into into daily triads. So he would give his his morning to the Lord, uh, his afternoon to the church and his evening to his family, right? Real simple. He, he was a pastor, um, and he, he was a Christian, a pastor, and a husband and father. And so he, he and, and you're not going to find a busier, more productive person in history than Charles Spurgeon. So if right. Spurgeon could do it, you can too. Uh, but the intentionality of pursuing the priorities of your life, he gave himself up to the Lord every morning, Again, as a pastor, reading scripture, studying, preparing sermons, uh, personally pursuing um, the Lord. The afternoon he would devote to to the the nitty gritty of of ministry life, uh, uh, connecting with people, visiting people, counseling people. But then when he clocked out and he went home, he was home, right? Yeah. Now Spurgeon didn't live in in our age of of constant um, distractions, right? But I. I no offense to us. I think we whine too much about this. 
Um, I think I think while we have um, many more distractions, while this is the information age, pa- Patrick Keith talks about that all all the time. We still have ears, we still have fingers, we still have eyes, we still have mouths. We can say no. We can turn things off. We can make the intentional decision of when I come home and we have dinner, we're going to have dinner. We're going to put the phones aside. Uh, um, it, the, the, you don't have to carve out. I think uh, so. If if you're a guy. Let me, let, let, let me speak to the guy who maybe can't remember the last time uh, they did anything together as a family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't plan a week. Plan a day. Just yeah. plan one day. Okay, so what's the le- least busiest day you have in the week? And maybe it's Sunday after church. Maybe it's Friday after work. Maybe it's Saturday, okay? Pick one of the meals because typically everyone has to eat, right? And... And see about doing something in that moment that involves conversation, right? Yeah. You don't have to get out a Bible and preach a three-point sermon, or even have to talk about God necessarily, but just just create the create a pattern, right? Yeah. A conversation, and then build off of that. If it worked once, um, great, do it again. If it didn't, well, try something else. And so what 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 we did is we 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 looked at our days and said, um, there's going to be moments in our day that are more conducive. For the family to be together um, in our home, that's in the evening, right? right. And so, um, on your recommendation, um, we started reading fiction to our kids, and I've been surprised. I really have been surprised how how much of a gift that has been over the past eight eight months to a, a year now, where we all get together in my bedroom. Uh, the, I mean, the bed looks like a car wreck. Everyone's laying on the bed in weird contorted uh, uh, angles, and I'm reading. I'm, I'm reading a, a, a fiction novel. And sure enough, the more I read, more of a family falls asleep uh, to where it's just winds up being me and my oldest daughter awake. But those moments, Andrea crashes. My wife crashes. I mean, she has a baby, you know. That's true. Um, but the, the youngest one crashes and the second youngest one crashes and the third youngest one crashes. And it's just me, me, me and, the, and, and the oldest. So you don't need to have I'm just going to pause here. You don't need to have a quorum for how for keeping reading. <laughs> no, it's like they're going to be so lost. Right, yeah, yeah. Somebody's dead. But, um, but I'll, I'll tell you what that's done. It's now autopilot. Right? Yeah. So I don't have to tell anyone, um, hey, it's reading time. Just I've watched the gravitational pull of that time. Um, and and so that time is sacred. Um, I know that as much as I want to have dinner with my kids every night, I fight for it. But they also have friends that, that they don't see it, that they, they want to go ride their bikes. And so pick your battles. Uh, so dads, uh, be interested in what your kids are interested in. Um, my, my kids are loving playing uh, um, uh, Super Mario Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, right, on Switch. So play with them. Grab a controller and play with them. Um, watch the movies they like to watch with them. Talk to them about, about you know. Um, um, but that has a, a pitfall. So be, be careful about uh, time sinkholes. Um, we've discovered there's a couple of games on... on um, on our iPads uh, that our kids like to play. One of them is called, oh gosh, I, I can't remember. Uh, but th- th- these things are time sinks. And they are, and I, I used to be a gamer. And yeah. I understand what's happening where it's it's total seclusion, right? Oh, yeah. And so that's not good. Um, so I, I pull them from that, right? Um, and so I'm not saying throw away the video games, but if they like to play video games, figure out 
multiplayer video games. Like, like, like be be intentional. This isn't something you're you're, you're going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, by osmosis. This isn't going to happen. Family time does not happen by osmosis. You have to be intentional, and you also have to be accountable, right? So if you're showing up, I, I, I most I've not met one person, Nick. I'll be very honest with you. I've not met one person whom speaking with them long enough asking them pointed questions about how they're managing their time, don't have time for family time. I've not met one person. Yeah. Um, now, I still haven't met one person, though, that doesn't have struggles or that right. there aren't things that are competing with family time. Right. And so, for example, being tired, right? Hey, I'm tired. Well, too bad. You're tired. Get over it. Um, you're going to be tired tomorrow and the next day and the next 15 years of your life, you're going to be tired. So I was about to try to put, uh, being an adult is being tired. That's talk to other adults about how tired you are until you die. That's right. That's right. But, but if you're zoning up, if, if you're zoning into your phone for, for hours into, into like, if your kids go to bed and you're, and you're on your phone for another hour, but before you go to bed, like be reasonably accountable and say, I'm tired because I'm not getting enough sleep because I'm on my phone. But I have an hour for my phone and I don't have an hour for my kids, right? Um, so be very intentional. Start simple. Create patterns. Look at your schedule. Um, look at family time with the same allegiance and expectation that you would your work hours, right? Mm, so that's good. Th- th- there should be no reason, no reason why you don't have the same loyalty towards, I got to get home. I, I, I got to be at work at nine. There's no reason why you should not have that same loyalty and urgency than family time. Right. Yeah. Um, none of us would, would, would want to show up to, to, to work late. Uh, none of us can show up to work late. Right. Why do we think we have permission to do that with our families? Yeah. You know, I, um, so we were talking about this earlier. I'm, I'm, I've been tired for the last I don't know how long. Um, part of it is I've shifted some things around in my schedule. How long have I had kids? Um, we, yeah. Um, and so I rejoined the gym. I've been working out of my garage for a long time. And so I'm waking up earlier and going straight to the gym before all the meatheads get there. So I'm there at like five o'clock <laughs> and then, um, and then go straight from there to work. Right. And, and my theory was, Hey, I'm going to use as much time for personal stuff when everybody else is asleep and I can't do stuff with them. Right. Uh, that's more fair. I feel like to do that than to come home and then, you know, so sleep while they're sleeping and then come home and, uh, and then say, all right, peace out guys. I'm going to, to work out or whatever. But what I've noticed is, yeah, I'm even more tired now when I get home at the end of the day and that's to be expected. Right. Um, but I've started just like I start my, my day at work with a cup of coffee or I make a cup of coffee usually for the ride to work. Um, is I'll have a cup of coffee when I get home. Usually we're having dinner and I'll have a cup of iced coffee with my dinner. And it's kind of, it's like you said, it's that same degree of, of allegiance to my, my day. It's like, all right, I'm clocking in again like this. And not that my kids are a job. That's not the implication there, but there's this like, I'm here, I'm here to do what I've been called to do. And I need to do it excellently. Right. And I'm tired and this will help me to wake up. And, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of studies about how much caffeine is good for you today or not, but, you know what? If, if it gets me through the next few years and lets me invest in my kids more, heck, I'm, I'm going to have another cup of coffee before, I, you know, before I have dinner or whatever. Uh, and it's just kind of it's a marker, too. It's like, all right, let's start work, you know, and we have from when I get home, I get home around 430 on a decent day till 930 when I go to yeah. bed. And it's like this is this is my next shift. Yeah. Right. 
I, I can tell you, be, being a former athlete, and I say former, you look at me and you're like, yeah, the former part sticks out um, <laughs> when you look at me. But I, like, I know what being physically tired is. Um, I, I used to train to find where physically tired was. Like that was the whole point of training. Where is physically tired? Let's find that and then extend that, right? That, that was the whole purpose of, of swimming. Where, where is your, where are your, 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 your limits, Ronald? How much lactic acid can you hold in your, like that was the whole purpose of swimming. You have to push that boundary over and over. So I know what physically tired looks like. The quote unquote tired I feel when I get home is not that. Yeah, it's different. It, it's, it, and now it's not nothing. Right. It, it's something. Um, I'm finding out more and more that it's, it's, a, it's a mental thing. But yeah. I have to rouse myself, and I think that's where the loyalty comes in. It's like it's like okay, I, um, I'd rather veg, and and that's the thing. I'd rather veg for two three hours, right? I'd rather sit there and not do nothing, watch something, be on my phone, lay down. If I were tired, I'd be passing out. Yeah. So th- th- there's there, there's a there's something there that 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 I have to will myself. Be in, and again, the word I've used, intentional. Like, Ronald, those kids need a dad. They haven't seen you all day. You haven't seen them all day, right? They happen to be in the room. Connect with them. And then guys, you know, um, um, pick the low-hanging fruit, right? So if you if you guys, um, like me, uh, have a van that has a DVD player and you're riding around town, um, let me encourage you not to play movies. Like, like if, if, you're, if you're taking a 15-minute drive, from wherever it is you live to church, right? Don't put a DVD on the on the on like like uh, I I I told my wife the DVDs are reserved for long trips. Yeah. Right. Now, why do I say that? Because those 15, 20 minutes you have a captive audience, right? You can ask your kid questions. You can have a conversation. Now they might hate your guts. They might scream and and you know and throw a tantrum. Well, maybe seven tantrums after you'll be able to have conversations, but, but like, like low hanging fruit, right. Um, um, on the ride back from church, uh, maybe you, 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 you pick them up to, uh, uh, from, from baseball or, or, or something. Don't discount, um, those moments as meaningful connection points. Turn off, turn off the talk radio and ask them a question. Hey, how, how, just, just find moments in the day. Um, where, where not, not everything, Nick has to be this like super meaningful, deep, profound, like family, you know, seven point family service type of, of encounter. Um, sometimes right. it's just a, and then simple things, man, kids love sweet things, right? Yeah. You know, take, take your kids to go grab a snowball on Saturdays. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's like an hour trip that everyone's going to love. Do that every Saturday. Do that once a month. Do that. Yeah, know. we've started a ro- ro- uh, rotating date routine and um, with the kids. And, and in in talking to Ryan Lowe about some routines he does, we're looking at shifting up a little bit. But but yeah, Emmett and I go get donuts. Like, and we try different donut spots. And you know, Atticus wants to play chess, and then you know we'll talk about something. But there's things. But also, there's always going and getting something sweet. And I think you're right with the with the road trip stuff when you're driving. Because here's the deal: if you're not playing a movie. You're going to want to ask questions because if you're not asking the questions, they're going to be asking the questions right. and their pace is relentless. I don't know my kids are. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are, that's, that's really great. Just practical stuff is how do I milk, you know, how do I, how do I use this day for what's in it, for what it's worth? Um, Cause yeah, I, I think 
you know, you'd never say, what do you love more, you know, Facebook or your kids? Like you wouldn't say Facebook, but dude, that's what what the verse that kind of my kind of mission verse for pops as we were starting this was, you know, let us love one another, not merely in word, but also in deed, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can say that I love my kids more than Facebook. Where do I want to invest my time? Um, where, you know, or, you know, and and so at the end of the day, it's like, I have to, I'm choosing to do something. Dude, I, I, I read this story yesterday in, in the New York times. This, I thought this was a movie. They're going to make it a movie and it's going to be an incredible movie, but, but this is a true story of this Chinese man who, um, I think last week, uh, found his son. Um, his son had gone missing for like 22 years. And in this village in China, he came no, he came to be known as the guy who who would search his son uh, for his son. He searched for his son. Now his son was abducted. abducted uh, uh, no reason to get into it, but but the, the whole point is this: dad loved his son so much that he pursued his son. Um, he 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 went through motorcycles and bicycles, just the amount of miles that he rode constantly for twenty something years. And it turns out he found him. And so his son is now like 24 years old. And um, um, this like this, it, it just has the, the, all, the, all the ingredients of, of a story that, that, that yanks at your heart. But the reason why that yanks at your heart is because you recognize that's right. That dad pursued his son, pursued a son that was taken from him, that was raised by another family. And, and he describes like the, the, not that his life was over, but he 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 describes. I, I have joy now. Like I, yeah. I, my life now can can continue, you know, on the top of the mountain. And and I, and and I'm going. This is a guy whose son, who's he he was robbed of fatherhood, but but he didn't give up on pursuing his son. And it was like, man, that that just kind of gets gets to your heart. So, dad, you may not have to drive or ride you know, 300 miles a day looking for your son, printing bulletin boards and pictures and posting them on telephone poles and, and being known as that crazy guy in the Chinese village. Cause you know, that's just what happens when communist, you know, uh, China puts a one child policy uh, on people and then people want to have children and people want to have sons. So guess what happens? The black market underground uh, um, uh, uh, kidnapping of kids surges as, as a result of that. This is what happened to his son. His son gets kidnapped, but but the father instinct didn't go away. And and you, we have the privilege, in other words, we, we, we have the opportunity to to pursue our kids. Uh, so let's 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 Take advantage of it. I think what Ronald's saying is that if you don't spend a lot of time with your kids, he will personally come and abduct your child I, until you regret I, it. I will do that. Yeah. <laughs> for, your, for your own good. For your own good. <laughs> uh, Ronald, thank you so much for the time um, and for the conversation. I'm already thinking about lots of things right now. Uh, it's been a good counseling session for me. Um, I, I really appreciate your your wisdom in this. And we've talked about this. We both have 10-year-old daughters, and they, they are night and day in a lot of ways, but as they are both hitting adolescents. Um, they're becoming more similar in some <laughs> right. ways. Um, but I appreciate your wisdom and, and your willingness to serve Pops. Um, again, guys, we are not meeting this month, so no meeting July 24th. Uh, next month, I'm hoping to get Ryan Lowe, our new children's pastor, to come and talk to us. And it'll be kind of a continuation of the end of this conversation about rhythms and and 
family discipleship and how do we build in those rhythms and use the structures and the time that's in place to pour into our families and to care for our kids and to grow them into the people God has and to be in grown relationship with them um, so that, you know, years down the line, there's, there's fruit that's growing from our wise utilization of time and energy. So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. It's another one that I need to sit down. I'll be there like front row, just taking notes. Like, how do I do this? Cause um, I told Anshel yesterday, I, I feel like four years ago, I was good at this. <laughs> uh, maybe I was just, just like you thought you were smart when you were a teenager and then you get older and you realize you're not. Yeah. Uh, I, I swear I was a good dad four years ago. Now I've always known I've been a terrible dad. Now I would have told people, man, you should be like me. And now I'm looking at me like, man, I'm geez. Either I got way worse or I was never any good. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, hearing his, his heart on that subject. Cause, uh, you know, it's something he's clearly got a passion for and it's going to be exciting. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Ronald. Uh, it's been really great sitting and chat with you. Um, thanks man. Yeah. Uh, take it easy guys again. So next, so the next meeting will be in August, not this month. So I believe it's the fourth Saturday in August as usual, which would be the 28th of August. So uh, we'll see you guys then and look for more Popscast. I'll try to get one more in before then. Uh, take it easy guys. Bye.